It isn't all that uncommon for us to get the information that we talk about from a little birdie. But it's not every day that the words that we're all talking about actually involve a little birdie. So for the two or three of you in here who may have no idea what I'm talking about, earlier this week, news came out that Elon Musk, the founder and owner of SpaceX and Tesla, purchased the social media, social media site Twitter for $44 billion. And the reason he gave for doing this, he admits, is to give people the opportunity to share their thoughts and opinions without any fear of being silenced or banned and to uphold the notion of free speech. And whether or not you agree with this, whether you think that, that speech should be censored to a certain degree or if you think we should have free reign to say whatever we want or you fall somewhere in that spectrum, the fact of the matter remains that, that our country right now is suffering from a major speech problem. For the last few years, we've been hearing a lot about things like fake news, misinformation, and hate speech. And if you're like me, it can sometimes, really oftentimes, feel like we can't say anything at all without fear of someone feeling like they're being attacked or fear that we might be attacked ourselves based off of what we've said. But then we also can't say nothing at all because we're also being told that silence is violence. And this constant tension and fear of feeling like you have to say something but you can't say anything and you just don't know where to turn, all for fear of losing your livelihood, your relationships. This constant fear leaves you feeling exhausted. In the series that we're in, we're calling Simple, we're wrestling in real time with, with how to live restfully as followers of Christ with how simply believing the gospel, the message that Jesus Christ has fought all the major battles that matter for you, and he gives his victory to you simply out of his great love for you, results in an easier load and a lightened burden. Because when our, when our lives become saturated with that message, it frees us up to let go of the weights that we carry with us. It frees us up to focus on the things that really matter. It frees us to simplify our lives. And last week, Pastor Matt did a great job of explaining how, uh, how believing this, this message, really letting it soak into our heads and our hearts, is how to start simplifying our lives. But today, I want to talk about the area right in between those two things, right in between the head and the heart, the mouth. So I want us to focus on how the work of Jesus Christ sets you free to simplify your speech. And this is a logical progression because the words that we say clue us into what our hearts are actually cherishing, what we're actually seeking, what we're holding on to as the thing that matters. And if you don't want to take my word for it, uh, please take Jesus' words for it. When he says in Matthew chapter 12 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says that your speech, your words, the, the things that you talk about and how you talk about them are all rooted in what you're storing up in your hearts, what you're treasuring as the most important thing. All that clues you into whatever you're ultimately seeking, whatever you're ultimately being obedient to. And if we take a second and look around on our culture, we see this to be absolutely true. I mean, look at what our favorite TV shows are telling us we should value and, and what kind of lives it's saying that we should live. And listen to what the news stations are telling us we should be faithful to or, or read the lyrics of the songs that are on top of the charts right now 
and see what it is that the world is telling us we should value, that we should pursue, that we should chase. Because at every twist and turn, we're being pressured and persuaded to trust the things of the world, rejoice in the things of the world, pursue the things of this world, and to place more and more sacrifices on the altar of of more power, more pleasure, more comfort, more possessions. And as much as we hate to admit it, it's kind of working. Take a, take a minute and listen to, to what you talk about and how you talk about it. Think about it for a second. Our speech is hardly characterized by anything pure. We've been convinced to call things like covetousness, ambition, and things like greed, industry. And we're told that we need to be successful and that success means being needed. And so we say yes to anything that anyone asks us to do because that means that we're valued, that we're important, that we're needed for a particular task. And when someone asks us what it is that we're doing, whatever task is before us, we talk about it like it's the most sophisticated thing on the planet, like only we can do it because only we understand what it really is. Like, I worked at Halliburton for almost five years before going to seminary. And when people would ask me what my job title was, I would say I'm a materials coordinator, which lent itself to the the follow-up question of, well, what does a materials coordinator do? And I would say, well, I support the electrical engineers in in innovating new and different downhole drilling technologies and techniques to be able to uh, find better, more reliable, safer, quicker oil and gas production. That sounds kind of fancy, right? But do you know what a materials coordinator at Halliburton does? Count stuff. Inventory. That's what my main job was, was to count all the electrical components we had in stock, all the resistors, capacitors, integrated circuits, circuit boards. My job was to know how many of each we had and where they were located so that when the engineers needed those parts, I could get those parts and then hand it off to them. That's about it. But that doesn't sound like anything flashy, does it? No, so I'd, I'd, I'd say it the other cool way with a lot of big words and make it sound a little bit confusing so that, that people would think that the whole company relies on me and that I'm important, that I matter, and I must be really smart. At least that's what I wanted other people to think. So I intentionally chose my words to impress people rather than inform them. My speech had impure motives at the heart. Now, I know that's true for me, but I I know it's not true for you. You've never done anything like that using impure speech. I'm sure you've never exaggerated how awful you're feeling to try to get out of something. Just, (laughs) yeah, the, the test results haven't come back yet, but I'm pretty sure it's COVID, so I should probably just play it safe and stay home for another couple weeks and just not go outside, not see anyone, just, just to be safe. I'm sure we've never done that. And you definitely haven't used a connection with someone, a relationship you've built to your advantage. It's like, oh yeah, me and her go way back to Tuesday, but we didn't need to talk about that. What we need to talk about is how, how she's basically a sister. And since you two are actually sisters, that basically makes us family. So, so let's talk about this family discount I can get here. And I also know that none of us have looked at the price of flowers for Mother's Day 
and had the thought to convince the mothers in our lives that what they really want this year is a coupon book full of free hugs, redeemable at any time, instead of flowers that they're just going to throw away anyway, right? We don't do that, do we? Of course not. Except that we actually do those things. We've all been guilty of doing that or something like that. Because what are we actually chasing when we do those things? What are we seeking when we say that? Whose kingdom are we seeking? Ours. We're seeking our own kingdom. And, and why? Because at our hearts, we're fearful. We're afraid of being rejected or feeling like we don't belong. We're afraid of missing out on all that the world has to offer and all that the world tells us we should be. After all, that's, that's what all the voices around us are telling our hearts what truly matters. Those are the things we should be seeking. And so we use our words to elevate and exalt ourselves, to prove that we belong, to prove that we're important and that we matter. Or we use our words to get out of doing something we don't want to do. So we'll say whatever we need to say in order to get whatever it is that we want, whether it's a job or a relationship or more comfort or a sense of belonging, even if that means taking back what we said 10 minutes ago when something more attractive floats along. Like, I remember when the iPhone 4 came out and everyone chomped at the bit to get the iPhone 4. Look at all the bells and whistles it has. Have you seen the picture quality this thing takes? Everyone needs this phone. It's got everything. Until the iPhone 5 and 6 and 7, all the way through 12 come along, and then what do we do? Oh, I can't wait to get rid of this phone. I need to trade it up for this one, the newer one that's shinier and has even more bells and whistles and three camera angles. Because our words are dictated by the desires of our hearts. So when Jesus tells us in, in Matthew 5, when he commands us to let our yeses be yes and our no's simply be no and leave our speech at that, at a simple yes and no, he's doing more than just telling us to mean what we say. He's telling us to watch our hearts, to be mindful of the things that we're actually seeking after, of the things that we're holding on to as the thing that matters most. Because when our hearts and minds are filled with God and the things of God, and we have him at the center of everything we do, all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, like we talked about last week, it changes how we speak. It changes what we talk about. And instead of being driven by anxiety and motivated by fear to say a certain way and talk a certain way, it frees us up to simply speak the truth. And to be honest. And then the words that we say become characterized by things like integrity and peace rather than flattery and half-truths. But how do we get to that point? Like, how do we get to a place where our yeses can mean yes and our noes really mean no and that's all we say? Well, ironically enough, I think, I think purified speech like that, simple speech like that, starts with silence. Without saying anything at all. But it doesn't start with any silence. It starts with silence before God taking time to slow down and to spend time with, with his words that he's given us 
to meditate on and wrestle with who we are in Jesus like we were challenged to do this past week. Because when we do that, we begin to notice something about what happens when God speaks, what he says, when he talks, when he chooses not to speak. We begin to notice that the word of God, which contains all power and all wisdom and all knowledge, came down from heaven as a person. And the word of God, through the person of Jesus, speaks to us. He spoke to people like you and me who are dealing with the same things that we go through. And he spoke words of peace, words of comfort, words of life, forgiveness, and salvation. And he taught about the kingdom of God and why we should be seeking it anyway. And though he was tempted to pursue the same things that we are, safety, comfort, power, how did he respond? He responded with the the words of God written down in the book of Deuteronomy. Because that's how God's will was going to be done in his ministry. But that's not all, because at the end of Jesus' life, here on earth, when he stood accused of our sins, when people were shouting at him for for things that, that we're guilty of doing, he stood silent before them. He didn't say a word because it was God's will for us. And so he let the lies and the insults and the shouts of this world hang him onto a tree until at last he declared with a shout and a cry, it is finished. The rule and the reign of the darkness of this world is done. I have silenced it. And to prove that he overcame the world and the powers of this world and the voices of this world, he rose up out of the grave. And because of the death and resurrection on the cross of Jesus, he speaks again. He shows up to his disciples immediately after his resurrection and he speaks to them saying, peace to you. And he speaks to us too. He speaks these same words, words of peace. He answers the question of who we are in him. He says, you are a baptized member of my family. That's who you are. You are beloved by God. You are chosen by God. You are cherished. You are forgiven and freed. And my victory I give to you. Wow, what do you say to that? What can you say to that? Because when we let let that message really soak into our hearts and we really let it filter into our minds, all of our speech just seems to disappear. And the only words that we're left with are the words of Jesus Christ, of who he truly is, and who he says that we are. So when the voices of the world try to pressure us to pursue this and to chase that, when the commotion and hubbub of all the rat races going on all around us and it just makes us dizzy, even when the whispers of fear and doubt begin to overwhelm us, we sit in silence before God. And then we proclaim with confidence 
I seek first his kingdom of which I am a part of because he has chosen me. He has forgiven me and he gives me victory. The good news that Jesus Christ has overcome the world for you and gives his victory to you sets us free to simplify our lives by speaking the truth honestly, courageously, and confidently. And even when that fear of of rejection or or failure or a, a lack of a sense of belonging or discomfort takes control of our hearts and our minds because of that truth that we're speaking, we let our mouths continue to run some interference. When that anxiety starts to build up, we sit in silence with God. We pause for a minute. We quiet our hearts and our minds. And we listen to what God is telling us. You are loved. Okay, I'm loved. You are cherished and chosen. I'm cherished and chosen. You are mine. Yes, Lord, I'm yours. And I surrender myself to you. And I seek you and the things of you first. See, we don't need to lie in an interview to get a job. Companies might actually appreciate the honesty. It might set you apart from other candidates. Or God might have a better job out there for you to do. And you didn't need to exaggerate or embellish to to feel important. The king of the universe has chosen you. And he counts you as worthy of his own life. And we don't need to speak words of flattery to get what we think we want. What more could we possibly ask for than the salvation and the favor from God that's already ours in Jesus Christ? You have been freed to live simply, to speak simply. Start by saying nothing at all. And then listen to what God has already told you. Let his truth continue to speak to you and be opened up to have him speak through you. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you that when our words fail, yours never do. We thank you for the wisdom and power that, that is in your word to be able to create, to shape, to build, to speak life. Lord, we confess that our words often fail and our words are driven by the things of this world, but, but we ask that you would, you would work in us by the power of your Holy Spirit to have our hearts opened up to the things of you, to have our minds dwell on the words that you've given us, to open up our eyes to see opportunities to speak truth, to speak honestly, and open our ears to hear what you would have us say and hear what you are actively saying to us. Work in us this week that our words may be your words.
that our words may speak life and bring life to those around us. And that your words may silence the voices and the shouts all around us. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Word of God. Amen.